Hey there, I'm your host, Leslie Randolph. I'm a self-confidence coach for teenage girls and the self-confidence coach you wish you had as a teen. Honestly, I'm the self-confidence coach I wish I had as a teen because I know I could have saved myself and my mother a whole lot of heartache if I'd only known then what I know now. I hope to save you some of that suffering by sharing the lessons I learned late in life right here on Why Didn't They Tell Us. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, happy people. Welcome back to Why Didn't They Tell Us. Um, I'm always excited to be here, but today I'm really excited to be here. And you should be really excited too, because I have, I brought it, I've brought in even more love and wisdom and lessons learned to why didn't they tell us. And that is an old and dear friend, Naomi Finkelstein. So I, full disclosure, when I say old and dear, I mean, I think I've known Naomi since kindergarten. I mean, the majority of my life, Naomi has been part of it. Um, And obviously, as the world goes, we've gone in separate directions. But interestingly, we now find ourselves at very similar places. And she's going to tell you all about her. Um, But Naomi is a yoga therapist, a teacher, a health and wellness coach, a B-body positive facilitator, which I I hope we talk about a lot, um, and just an, an awesome woman all around. So Naomi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Leslie. So good to be here. Thank you so for inviting me. Yes, yes. I uh, I was very excited to invite you and even more excited when you said yes. So let's kick it off um, with you just telling my lovely listeners who you are, what you do. I know I gave them the, the descriptor, um, but but in your own words, tell us what you do. Yeah, um, well, you know, uh, they're very similar to, to your words. <laughs> I, I identify as a fat yoga therapist, health and well-being coach, and B-body positive facilitator. And I work with people one-on-one and in groups um, to support them in pursuing health and wellness on their own terms. Um, I, I started becoming a coach in 2019 when I realized that there really didn't seem to be people out there who were supporting people in larger bodies to pursue health and wellness outside of the weight loss paradigm. Um, So much of health and wellness is centered around helping people lose weight. And uh, that is not the best way to pursue health and wellness, in my opinion. In fact, I believe that it causes a lot more harm than it actually helps. So I knew that there was a need for people who could support people in this way. Um, and that really inspired me to, to become that person. So it's been since 2019 that I've been, you know, doing different trainings and, um, I became a yoga therapist just about almost a year ago, which is another really exciting kind of piece. I've been a yoga teacher since 2009, but, um, I then did a two year yoga therapy training, which was really intensive and amazing. And that's really the more the focus of my work right now, although I do still work with people in a variety of capacities. So most of the people that I work with either live in a larger body or they have a history of disordered eating and negative body image or both. Well, I'm sure they are grateful to have you. I know um, I'm grateful that there are amazing humans in the world like you 
doing the work that you do. Um, I want you to share why you do what you do. What led you down this path to become a coach, to take on this, this mission of promoting health and wellness, not through that like myopic lens that it once was of, well, skinny is healthy, which is such a, a lie. And I don't know why they didn't tell us that. Um, right. Certainly we'll talk about that a lot, but personally, how did you get on the path to where you are today? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I always wonder when should I start? Because do I start at six years old? You know, I don't know. Um, I have, you know me, you've known me since I was six. I've always been a big, tall, heavy person. Um, and I really started to believe that there was something wrong with me for that reason at a very young age. Um, I got messages, you know, subtle and not so subtle messages that, that there was something wrong with my body, that it should be different. Right. Um, that that was the, the good way to be was, was small and thin. Um, because I was different, right? Like not a lot of kids, I didn't look like anybody else. Um, and it was in eighth grade that my parents offered to send me to weight loss camp for the first time, which to me sounded like an amazing opportunity, right? I was like, oh my God, yes, my whole yeah. life will change. Like I will be, this is the answer to all of my problems. Um, I really thought that I was going to become a different person. Like I thought there was something about my body that made me bad. And that once my body was different, I wouldn't be bad anymore. Right? Like it's very sad. Um, and it's wild, but that is truly how I felt. So I went to weight loss camp. I lost a lot of weight. I came back to accolades and celebrations and everybody that I knew just like complimenting me to no end of how amazing I looked. You know, I felt like I was on top of the world and, uh, and then I slowly started to gain the weight back, which I thought was a huge personal feeling, right? I thought it was completely my fault. Um, and so I went back to camp and I repeated this cycle for five summers between the ages of 14 to 22. Um, and every time I lost the weight, I really thought I'd figured something out. This time I was going to be able to keep it off. And every time I gained the weight back, I just sunk lower and lower, um, humiliated, frustrated, disappointed. And my self-worth, which already was pretty low, right? Believing that there was something wrong with me because of my body, it just kept getting lower and lower because oh, totally. Yeah. Like not only did I have the wrong body, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to fix it. Right. right? Well, like no, was, you did. And then, and then you did it. Like if you believed this thought process that, Oh, I, I got, I got the golden ticket. I did it. And then I didn't It's yeah. like, Oh yeah. And so I could see it continuing to be at a deficit then. Yes. And so I continued that cycle um, throughout my 20s. Um, even though I wasn't going to camp, I was still engaged in this kind of yo-yo dieting, weight cycling, binge and restrict um, thing. Uh, and then at the age of 31, 
I think I, I reached my limit. <laughs> I was like, I was so tired. I just got to this point where I was like, I actually got to a point where I believed. I, I, I realized that I had this thought that I was only worthy of love when I was like on the lower end of my weight spectrum. And I was like, well, okay, I know that that's not actually true. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense, you know, but like, I realized that that was kind of what I believed and thought and that I had to do something about that. Right. If I wanted to find love. Um, so I decided that I had to stop dieting and it was 2014 and not a lot of people were talking about this at that time. Um, body positivity. I knew the term. I don't really know how I knew the term, but um, I, I looked it up. I was, because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like everybody in my life was just always talking about food complaining about their bodies, obsessing over the stuff. Like, this is how we related to each other. And here I was like, going to, I was going to change this. I didn't, I knew I couldn't just do it by myself. Like, but that nobody, but I also knew that nobody in my life would like understand what I was doing. Right. So so interesting that you even got to this place of like, it's a full switch of like, I'm only worthy of love. If my body looks a certain way, if I'm, at a certain number on the scale, but now it's like, no, I'm on a quest for love. And I know that it actually has to be the opposite of that. So it's just incredible that you flipped that switch independently and not knowing where to find the answers other than within. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, because somebody recently asked me, like, how do you think you had that awareness, right? They asked about that question, like, how did you realize that you believed this thing that wasn't actually true? Right. Because I think that was a really key thing because we go through life believing these things and not questioning them. Right. But somehow I had like recognized that I was believing something that was really getting in my way that I that wasn't real. That wasn't true. And that I had to do something to change to change that. And I think that I think that my meditation and yoga practice um, is one of the reasons that I was able to do that. It wasn't, I started practicing in 2009 or not practicing. I started practicing in high school, but I started teaching in 2009 and I got more into yoga um, at that time. So anyway, that's, that's maybe another story for another time. But, um, but before so, you, so, before you do it, uh, answer that though. Cause I think that's so brilliant. Like it, that is that awareness of this message is not helping. It's hurting and I don't need to keep believing it because I think you're hitting on something. And, and this is a lesson I learned very late in life. And certainly one of the reasons, I, you know, you, you were one of my first calls of come talk about this because that message is ubiquitous. The number on the scale equals your worthiness of love. What, what did the, I, I, you say you found it through meditation and yoga, but what, what was that knock? Like that light bulb moment of, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I got this book no, <laughs> and I'm yes. embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by the title of this book because I saw it and I was like, oh, I need to look at this. But I was like, oh my God, this title is horrible, but I'm still going to look at it. Um, and so this was back in the days when I would like go hang out in Barnes and Noble and like, I would peruse the self-help section 
And I found this book and it was called Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life. And I was very embarrassed by this, the title of this book, but I looked at it and, um, and it was actually really cool. And I spent seven weeks kind of engaging in this book and the way that it was, excuse me, designed um, to be done. And it was really, you know, it asked a lot of good self-reflection questions to kind of dive into what might be keeping you from, from it. And, um, and really the biggest takeaway was that, that, that was where that takeaway came from, um, was that I believed that I was only worthy of love when I was a certain size. Um, so, so, so I guess it was a combination of my my yoga practice yoga and meditation practice and then definitely this book helped me get there as well so it's really interesting well first of all lesson learned people literally don't judge a book by its cover i mean we've just (laughs) we've just covered that one or its title apparently but i i want to you know the book certainly speaks to that quest for love of which you know our, our desire to be loved and to belong and to have companionship but tell me about the self-love journey here, because that idea of I'm only worthy of love also speaks to my, your worthiness. And that is an inside call. And, and I know, you know, we, on, on Instagram, we can all see, and, and through all the books of like, you have to love yourself first. So what is the relationship with you? How did that start to transform? Well, so I can just go back to kind of what happened, right? After I made this decision that I was going to stop dieting, um, and I and I googled body positive support group because I was looking for other people who were doing this, and that is when I found the website for the nonprofit organization, the Body Positive, um, and it was very serendipitous because I was living in Chicago. I had just quit my teaching job. And I had a ticket to move to Oakland, California in two weeks on this. I remember the day that I did this, it was two weeks away from my move date. I didn't know what I was doing there. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a plan. I had a friend and I was just like moving to California to try and live a life without winter. That was my goal. I love it. And, I love it. And I found the Body Positives website and like, my heart stopped. I was like, what is this? Like, how is this a thing? You know, they're like, we help people have a more positive relationship with their bodies. And I was like, there's a whole organization who's helping people do the very thing that I'm looking to do. And, and then I saw that they were in Berkeley and I was like, not even looking in Cal. I was looking for internet people. I wasn't looking for real life people, but they were in Berkeley. And I was like, that's where I'm going. Oh, the and universe then, is so cool. <laughs> and then I saw that there was a day long workshop happening two weeks after my arrival date. And I had no idea what to expect, but I knew that I had to sign up for it. So I did. Um, I met Connie Subcheck, who is the executive director and co-founder of the Body Positive. She was the one who facilitated the workshop. And I learned so much that day that just totally blew my mind um about weight about bodies about self-love and really i learned about the five competencies 
of the B-body positive model. And one of them is about self-love, right? So these are like five, five competencies or practices or skills that we can learn to have like a lifelong relationship with our body that is rooted in love, that is, that is going to help us kind of get through the difficult, the difficulty of having a body, right? It's, it's never going to be easy, but there are things that we can do to make it easier. Um, And so the self-love piece was really interesting, right? That's like, I, I I realized like that the thoughts that I had about myself and my body were not true. No, and it's no. like wild to me that I spent so long believing that the thoughts that I had about myself were true, but they but but I realized that they're not. And that was like, oh, and that you know that there are things that I could do to um to change them and to feel better, but that it would take time. Yeah. So, and I love what you just said of it's not that it's not like we can choose to believe that those are true. You know, in, in one of my early episodes, I talk about your thoughts being optional. So it's not that it's not true. You've just decided they're true. But at the same time, you can decide they're not true and you're going to stop believing them and choose to believe something else. Because why in this one and only life and this one and only body would you choose to believe a thought? that made you feel anything other than, and I don't want to say loving, because I think sometimes we need to get to neutral before we can even get to positive, but like, why would we choose to believe a thought that made us feel terrible? And I think that right. that's where you, your journey started, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it was all, it all started together, you know? There, there were a lot of messages that helped me kind of, right, I learned about like the myths that are perpetuated by the diet industry about weight and health and how those are connected. I mean, how they're not actually as connected as we think they are. I learned about the fat acceptance movement where there are people who are like living their lives as fat people who love themselves and aren't trying to change. And I was like, what? (laughs) I like didn't know that. I didn't know that people were doing that. You know, I didn't know that that was an option. so I learned about what happens to your body when you diet and the famine response and, you know, how the fact that I kept gaining weight back wasn't my fault. So I I really learned to stop internalizing all of this stuff. That's what, that's what had happened up until that point. I was internalizing all of my, my perceived failure, right? I believed that it was all my fault and that there was something wrong with me. And that's that day I I learned about like society. I mean, like, I'm sure I knew some things about it at that time, but like, that's when I really realized like about the industrial complexes, the beauty industrial complex, the diet industrial complex that benefit from us hating ourselves. Yeah. And so I started to get, I started to get mad, right. Rather than mad at at the outside world, rather than at myself for the first time. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Um, but I but I do want to also say about like this this kind of choosing, right? For me it was like there's a really powerful moment in that realization that we have the power to choose, but that then there's like a whole process of learning how to actually do that, right? I think that we get into kind of tricky territory sometimes when we say 
like we we can choose we have the power like we can just do something else like making it kind of seem easier than it is and i don't i don't that wasn't my experience like i think that you know we, we are really conditioned to believe and to think in a certain way and so it can sometimes feel difficult when we see these like memes on social media that are just like just do this differently like as if it's just going to be that easy um but i think it's like such an important powerful thing to make that realization and then to embark on that journey of learning how you do that 100 percent. so i uh I hear that and I think that it's a really good distinction to make and um, that this work is not, there's no destination here, right? There is that moment and when I had that moment of your thoughts are optional, you can choose to stop believing them, my life changed, right? And that some of those messages that I had been telling myself and believing from society, because as you said, like, the, the industrialization, there are industries built on and that benefit from us thinking there's something wrong with us unless we look a certain way. Um, but it is a journey. And certainly every day I'm reminded of some of that programming that I am lovingly working to undo. And I think that's what you are speaking to of that idea of just to have the awareness that it's optional. That doesn't mean that you go from looking in the mirror to I hate myself to I'm going to choose something different and I love myself. It is nuanced. There are days where it feels easy and there are days that are really hard and it feels impossible. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I'm so interested in the ways that diet culture continues to kind of show up in inside of me, even like eight years after choosing to disengage from it. And I think that black and white thinking is one of those things like if, and also this kind of um, myth of arriving, as you said, right. And, and like of being like fixed and healed forever and just kind of getting to this place of like, Oh, I made it. And now I love myself forever and I'll never have a negative thought again. And isn't this great? Life is perfect forever. Hooray. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the myth of diet culture, right? Where it's like, oh, like once you once you attain this certain weight, then all your problems will be gone and you'll be happy. Um, and it's just not how life works in any, you know, in any way. Like we it's always it's a it's a life everything is a lifelong journey. And so that's why I really love the the idea of competencies, you know, and like learning tools that we can have so that when we start to have certain thoughts or experiences, we can see what's happening, right? We get better and better at recognizing when that's happening, when that starts to come up for us, and that we have tools that we can kind of fall back on to use to to not, you know, um, suffer so much. How has your life changed? since you you had this awareness since the the script started changing and since you started questioning the diet culture and since you started um embracing the competencies that you've learned and bringing them into your life yeah so i i touched on this briefly a couple of minutes ago just about um how i stopped blaming myself right 
and I started to get angry. I, I honestly don't think I was in touch with the emotion of anger before this. I think everything was like sadness. I was just sad a lot and I didn't feel a lot of anger, but I started to feel anger when I learned about this. Um, and I think that was really good for me. <laughs> right. And just, I mean, because I internalized everything, I internalized everything. So I stopped doing that. And not that I stopped doing it completely, but, um, I started to stop and I started to get, to get angry at the forces out there that created the situation for me. Um, and so that was a huge shift. Another, another way that I changed is that, you know, another one of the competencies is about intuitive self-care. And so I started practicing like listening to my body, which I didn't do before because I didn't believe that I my body knew how to take care of me because if it did, I thought I would have a thin body. Right. So I didn't listen to my body. I learned to shut out any, and you know, weight loss camp also didn't help with that. Right. I didn't have any control about what I was eating or how much or anything when I was there. So I learned to ignore body signals and rely on other people to tell me what to eat, how to exercise, you know, following diets or whatever it was. And so when I started to pay attention and listen and try to actually eat when I was hungry, you know, that is an ongoing, I mean, that's an ongoing process to undo all of that. Um, it's hard. So, but, but, but when I started to like, you know, kind of express interest in my body signals, I really started to to be more in touch with so much about what I wanted and be outside of like food. Right. It was like, and, and just like being setting boundaries with people. Right. Like that was huge (laughs) setting boundaries with my family about like what they're allowed to say to me about my body and about what I'm eating. And like the confidence that comes from doing that is, is profound. Yeah, self-trust is certainly one of the pillars that I work with people about of that is if you know and trust yourself and that is, you know, intuitive self-care of listening to your body, that is one of the greatest confidence builders and certainly setting boundaries to protect you. I love what you said, you know, when we think about self-love, if we think about a loving relationship, certainly you need to listen to the other person in that relationship. So if we think about a loving relationship with our bodies, to listen to what it needs. And we are conditioned of, and there's so much here. I mean, you and I could probably be here for days, right? Of like, you eat breakfast at this time, you eat lunch at this time, you eat dinner at this. Oh, but actually now we are in the the fasting. So we don't do this. You know, if we listen to all the external messages, hey, there's so much contradiction out there. Even if you prescribe to the diet, Yes. culture it's always changing and, and they're always like oh oh actually right like i mean oh, it's maddening it's so maddening you think about like the food pyramid and what they said back then and now and like carbs you know are now the enemy and fats and oils used to be the enemy and it's just like 
Well, if you, if you can just listen to your body, you can just be more, a little more consistent, right? And just have more balance and not be so obsessed and not be so stressed. And I mean, the toll that this takes, oh, the toll that it takes on people is really, I don't think people realize how their nervous systems are damaged due to this um, obsession with, with body and food, you know, um, it's really bad. Not to mention the, the stress of oppression that fat people experience in the world. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on talking about that because the first competency of the B-Body positive model is reclaim health. And, and it is imperative that everybody understand that we are all at war with our bodies because we have bias against fat people and we're afraid of you know becoming fat because of the way fat people are treated yep and so if we don't all do that work to change that none of us will be will be able to be free of this no and i was going to note um you know when you introduced yourself Naomi used the F word and I'm not talking that F word. She, she owned the word fat and to that within itself. Um, I'm going through it. Naomi knows, but you guys don't know. I'm also going through the the body positive training right now because it is um, revolutionary and I could not support this movement more, but certainly the idea of reclaiming the word fat and to be taking the stigma out of that word and that because I think we grew up and we're still growing up in skinny equals healthy, fat equals unhealthy. And that is that binary thinking, that dangerous black and white that you were talking about. And it's just not true. Um, right. And also fat equals ugly, right? And just like the way that fat people are, are represented in the media. I mean, there's an amazing movie called Fatitude um, and if you can find the trailer, even just the trailer, you'll, it'll blow your mind. Just, it shows like all of like movies and cartoons and TV shows and all of the ways that fat people are portrayed that really informs our societal biases and beliefs about fat people as being lazy, as be, never being like the main character, right. As being the funny friend, um, evil even so just like so many stereotypes that that are fed to us Um, absolutely and how we talk about it when and you talk about talked about like your journey too of the the yo-yo that you went through of going to camp and then coming back and then sort of even that oh she let herself go it just those I don't know what the right word would be, but though the way that we talk about people and their weight, first of all, that we're talking about people and their weight and giving it the the stage and the volume. Um, but also that perpetuates this idea of if you don't look a certain way and you're not exercising or eating a certain way, then you lack discipline. It, it yeah. uh, echoes that that laziness and those negative stereotypes and that bias. Um, that we all need to start challenging. Yes. And I think it's also important to, to note that there is a really strong link between anti-fat bias and racism. And that a lot of that stems from racism. And um, there's just so much to learn about all of that. But 
I think that that's a place where people who consider themselves, you know, to be social justice oriented, miss the mark. They don't really acknowledge fat as a social justice issue, but it is, and it is inextricably linked from racism as well. So um, always worth looking into that because I think we all want to, you know, um, live in a less racist world and it's all interconnected. Yeah, and just live in a more loving world. And yes. and certainly to do our part to make it better. And as we learn these lessons late in life, to not just be like, oh, so glad I know, but then to spread it the way that you are sharing it as well. And, and being an ambassador and a voice for body positive, um, you know, future generations will be better for it. Um, so tell me, now, if we could give like a, a practical tip, and I know... I know that this is a journey and there is no, there's no fix here, but also none of us are broken. So nothing needs to be fixed. It's just this journey. And any suggestions of how we can apply the lessons that you have learned um, if someone is looking to, to change their relationship with their body, with themselves, to change the lens through which they see diet culture? I know that's a huge question. Take whatever part of it you want. No, I got some tips for you. Hey. <laughs> Um, my first thought is is social media is a great tool for this. You can you can diversify your feed. So seeking out people that are different from you, people who are fat, you know, um, people who are different in gender, in race, and every way, right? Like I think the more diversity we expose ourselves to, the more we're going to start to see beauty in places that we might not have seen it before. Um, and really, you know, we haven't talked about beauty yet, but beauty is another one of the competencies, declare your own authentic beauty. And um, when I started to be kinder to myself, I, I noticed that I stopped being as critical of other people too, and vice versa, right? So, cause I was always comparing myself to people. <laughs> like yes. I, I believed in this hierarchy. Right. And I was always trying to figure out where I fit in in the hierarchy. Was I prettier than them? Was I thinner than them? Whatever. But that was like a really negative way to think about other people that didn't feel very good, you know? And it felt amazing to stop doing that as I started to take myself out of that beauty hierarchy and just appreciate, you know, learn to appreciate myself for who I was. So diversifying your social media feed is very powerful. Also, unfollowing people that make you feel bad. <laughs> I don't know why we want to keep looking at that stuff. Some for some reason we do. We like it's like it's it can be like a, a habit, right? That we maybe think that oh, it's it's inspirational or something. But um, but Kristen Neff is somebody who has researched self compassion. I'm sure you're familiar with her. When you and were talking about your she, anger, I was like, yes, get it. Fierce, fierce. Yeah. Yes. So she she shows us that actually self-compassion is much more effective than self-criticism. So, um, so yeah, so that's one way. Another way is to spend more time in nature and to look for the beauty that exists in the diversity in nature, right? Like, this was, it was amazing for me to be in California as I was learning all of this stuff. Cause I would go to the woods and the trees there are just like, ugh, 
they're just amazing. And they're all so interesting and different from each other. And I was just like, wow, I love like this forest would be so boring if they all looked the same. Right. Um, I love the moss on this one. I love like how this one is burnt here, but still like thriving. And I mean, there's just like so many amazing ways that we can find diversity in nature and then find the parallels to ourselves. Um, we are part of nature and we forget that, but we are. And our uniqueness is is on purpose, right? The fact that we're different is on purpose. We're not supposed to look the same. And I think nature can help us remember that. Um, another thing is, uh, this kind of speaks to what we were talking about just a minute ago, but um, activism is important. This is not just about like our own focusing on ourselves, right? This is like, this is a societal issue. There are people who suffer like it greatly. I mean, you know, fat people don't receive proper medical care. They die because their symptoms are blamed on their size. And that's just one example of all the ways, you know, so, so, so we will start to feel better uh, with ourselves and about ourselves if we, if we can also help others, you know, and do our part to change the world. It all goes hand in hand. So good. So good. I love so many of these, uh, you know, your first tip of, and it speaks to the activism too. Like when we are loving ourselves, self-love begets love. And this world mm -hmm. needs so much of it. So when we start taking, you know, you talk about how you were so critical of other people. When we start taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves, our capacity to love others just gets so much greater. And I always say this of like, that's not a reason to do it. <laughs> that's not a reason mm -hmm. to love yourself. It's just a beautiful byproduct of it. If I could put on a pillow somewhere, what you just said about the trees and nature, and if they all look the same, how boring the world would be. I mean, Absolutely. And certainly the activism piece, and that also can speak to who you follow on social media and who you are giving your eyes and ears to and who you're giving your emotional real estate to, right? If you're letting them in. Mm -hmm. um, so certainly to be mindful of that, uh, I found obviously body positive um, is a wonderful resource for that. Health at every size is a great resource for that to bring that activism into your feed and into your, um, you know, daily thinking and mindfulness. Uh, certainly to follow Naomi uh, at Well-Rounded Wellness. And um, before we wrap up today, you know, lots of lessons learned late in life here. I loved every moment of this conversation and we can, uh, we can certainly continue. If you could tell your teenage self a message. I don't know if you talk to her often. <laughs> what what would you what would you say to her? Yeah, well, I would tell her that the thoughts that she has are not a reflection of reality first. Um I would tell her that changing her body would might change those thoughts temporarily, but that 
eventually they would come back, right? Regardless of what happened with the body. That that it was really about um, learning to love yourself no matter what. That was the only way to kind of help those thoughts lessen and, and become um, less painful. I would also tell her that anyone who says that there's something wrong with your body, including you, is wrong. There's nothing wrong with your body. In fact, there's everything right about you and your body. Um, I would say you are an incredible, beautiful, unique manifestation of the divine. And you deserve everything right now. You don't need to change to be worthy of anything. I hope every listener takes those messages, teen or the teen in you, because they are um, they're beautiful. And I hope you hear them. <laughs> uh, I know I need to hear them every day. So thank you for sharing them. Um, now, where can people find you? I know you have a wonderful program coming up uh, in January. Naomi's also a, a community builder. Um, so that as you go on this journey of self-love and self-acceptance, uh, if, if you are looking to um, take up a yoga practice, it, this is like a one-stop shop of love, breath, and mindfulness. So Naomi, mm -hmm. where, uh, tell us a little bit about um, a yoga community for a better body image, perfectly imperfect, and also just yeah. where people can find you and, and how they can work with you. Yeah. So my Instagram is well underscore rounded dot wellness. Um, my website is NaomiFinkelstein.com and perfectly imperfect is a three month virtual program that offers four yoga classes a week, um, weekly community sessions where we'll be diving into the competencies of the B body positive model and five learning sessions on Sundays about yoga and yoga philosophy and how how yoga can really support on your body positive journey. Um, it also includes one-on-one -on -one sessions with me so that I can help you with whatever kind of specific conditions you're dealing with. And, you know, yoga therapy is really a, an amazing practice that is a holistic approach to health and wellness. So one-on-one -on -one sessions can look all different sorts of ways. But um, the program is running January 17th through April 2nd. So I'm really excited about that. And yeah. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for uh, any listener that finds you. And um, thank you so much for being part of Why Didn't They Tell Us? Uh, lessons. You, this was so fun. It was fun. The lessons that Naomi learned late in life, the ones that I'm still learning. I mean, if there's a, a message from today, we're all still learning. Um, but I thank you for sharing yours and uh, till next time, my lovely listeners. Love what you hear? Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at confidencecoachforgirls.com. That's confidencecoachforgirls.com. Or email me at leslythelifecoach at gmail.com. That's leslythelifecoach at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you.